Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, we're bringing you a special episode, but before we get into that, I wanted to tell you about a new article that is available at teachfortheheart.com. The article is called 40 Plus Bellwork Ideas for Every Class, and this article contains just what it sounds like, a variety of ideas for what you can do for bell work. And I was going to record a podcast about it, but as I finished up the the article, I realized it really doesn't translate well into audio format. It's designed so that if you need a new idea for what to do for bell work or for morning work, that you can hop over to that article, browse the ideas. They're arranged by subject or in some cases by age and browse the ideas that are relevant to you and check out the different links and everything there. So you can check out that article at teachfortheheart.com slash bellwork, teachfortheheart.com slash bellwork. Today, however, I wanted to bring you one of our lessons from our brand new classroom management course. So I'm just going to share with you uh, one of the things that we talk about over there, and that is about guiding students to solve their own problems. So this is some material directly from the course, and I can't wait to share it with you today. So in Beyond Classroom Management, we talk about a variety of strategies that help us to engage our students, that help them to learn to be respectful, both of their classmates and of us, and then how to be responsible. And really the idea behind the course is that, you know, once you've had your classroom management, you know, roughly established, you've got some order, you know, things are relatively in control, That's not the end-all be-all, right? That's just the foundation. Now we want to take it to the next level and get to the point where we're we're not making students do what they have to do, where they want to, and we're all working together. You know, teacher and students are working together to help those students reach their full potential. And so one of the strategies that we talk about in Beyond Classroom Management is guiding students to solve their own problems. And I'm excited to share that with you today. So here's the idea. Students often want us to solve their problems for them, whether it's social challenges, you know, so-and-so won't let me play with them, or academic issues, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I keep failing this class, you know, what should I do? And here's the thing. We as teachers often actually like to rescue them or solve their problems for them. And you might think, oh, no, I don't I don't like to solve their problems. Like, I wish they would just take care of them on their own. Well, of course, right? That's what we wish they didn't have them. But there is something that when they bring these problems to us, it almost, at least for certain of our personalities, we like to think that we have the answer and we like to tell them what they should do. And if they do it, then we're like, yes, like we feel good. Like we solved their problem for them. But there's two problems with this. The first one is that often students aren't happy with our quote unquote rescue. It's not what they wanted or it's not good enough. I've experienced this as a, both as a teacher and a parent where, you know, someone uh, you know, someone comes up and says, hey, like, I don't know what to do about this. And you give them some ideas and every idea is no, 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 it's a bad idea. And nothing's good enough. None of your ideas are good enough, even though, you know, a lot of them would work just fine. And what's happening is, in many cases, they don't really 
want the solution. They just want the problem to go away, which, of course, you know, we can't do that for them. Uh, so oftentimes they're not happy with the rescue. But what if they are? Even if it does work out, even if they implement the idea and it works out, we've still made them dependent on us which is not nearly as good as empowering them to solve their own problems. So while we might feel good that we help them solve it, we're not really helping them as much as we could if, as if we could guide them to come up with a solution themselves. You know, there's so many examples of this. I was just thinking of one from when I was in the classroom here recently I we would be doing a lesson in class, right? We spent the whole class either, you know, teaching it and then practicing this certain concept. And, you know, this I had this happen a couple times with a student or two. They don't ask any questions during class. They don't raise their hand and ask any questions when I'm walking around available to them. But then they come to me after night after class and say, "Hey, I really don't get this. Can you uh can you tutor me ninth period?" And my answer was well, it was easy for me. My answer was, I'm sorry, I'm not here ninth period. You know, I, I leave, I leave after this class and so and so I can't. Uh, you're gonna have to figure it out on your own, you know, and I and I did give them some suggestions. Um, but that's an example of something where I think often we're tempted. We feel guilty. We feel like we have to. Uh, we feel like, oh, I guess I should, right? I guess I, I guess I should tutor them one on one, ninth period. Uh, even though they didn't take advantage of all the things that I'd already offered them in class, I get I guess I need to give up my free period to tutor them. And I'm not saying we should never tutor students. That's not at all what I'm saying. But my point is sometimes students want us to solve their problems and sometimes we feel like we should when really what is better is equipping them to solve it themselves. And in many cases, they can do it. So let's talk about how to do it. Let's get into the nitty gritty. How do you guide students to solve their own problems? Well, these steps I want you to know are adapted from the book Teaching with Love and Logic, which is a phenomenal book. Um, I love a lot of their ideas. So the first step is to show sincere empathy. We talk about this a lot in Beyond Classroom Management, just the importance of empathizing with a student. In other words, so don't just start off with like, well, nothing I can do, right? You want to start off with, uh, wow, that sounds really difficult. Or just something that shows that you understand uh, that they are in a difficult position, that they're struggling with whatever it is that they're finding challenging. So after you show empathy, the next thing is to put it back, put the responsibility back on them. Um, I listen, uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman often uses the phrase, keep the tennis ball of life on their side of the court. <laughs> so, you know, kind of volley it back to them and say, um, man, that was that sounds really, really tough. What are you going to do about it? Now, of course, there that might take them off guard because they were expecting you to solve it for them and you just put it back on them. But that's the point. You're putting the problem back in their court, but you're also saying, you know, I believe in you. You have what it takes to figure this out. Now, when you say that, don't expect them to come up with a great answer right away. It's much more likely that they'll mumble, I don't know, or they'll shrug their shoulders or stare at you. Because they're used to having adults rescue them rather having rather than having to come up with their own solution. So you're probably going to take them off guard. And that's totally okay if they don't know what to say at that point. So after you let them kind of stare at you for a minute, then you can ask, would you like to hear what some other students have tried? Um, now, if they say no, 
that's okay. You say, okay, let me know if you change your mind. And you walk away and that's the end of the conversation. You've, you've given it back to them. They didn't want to hear uh, anything else and so that's fine. Uh, but chances are they'll say, uh, okay. And at this point, step four, you want to provide two or three options to them and ask how would that work for you? Now the point of this is not to necessarily find the perfect solution for them. What we're doing in this process is demonstrating how to brainstorm ideas, right? So we're demonstrating the process of thinking up an idea, evaluating whether or not it's a good idea, and then either moving forward with it or, or coming up with something else. So that's what you do. So you And it's, it's a nice way of doing it is instead of saying, well, you could this or you could this, you could say, well, some students do this. Uh, some students have tried this. Uh, what do you think? And once again, helping them kind of think that through. Teaching with Love and Logic actually recommends starting with a bad idea first, um, which I think there are benefits to starting with a bad idea first, just to kind of, it can provide a little bit of levity, but it also can really be an example of showing the students, oh, okay, I definitely don't want to do that. You know, that's not what I want to do. And then come up with some other ones. So once again, the point isn't to find the perfect solution, but to demonstrate to them how they can think of their own. So let me give you an example of how this could work. So let's go back to the example where the student came to me, ninth period, uh, says, can you help me ninth period? So so I can, if I'm doing, going through this process, I would respond, oh, I'm sorry you're having trouble. That must be very frustrating. Um, what are you going to do about it? You know, well, I was hoping you would tutor me ninth period. Well, I'm not available then. So what do you think you're going to do? And, you know, they look at me, well, do you want to hear what some other students have done? Oh, okay. Well, you know, some students could just, I've had some students that just give up and resign themselves to bombing the test, hoping they'll do well enough to make up for it. Would that work for you? You kind of get this look on your face like, uh, you know, this isn't the best idea. And they'll probably say, uh, definitely not. And then you can move on to some slightly better ideas. Well, I know other students will ask a friend to work with them during study hall. Uh, would that work for you? And you see what they say. And, you know, other students choose to raise their hand more during class, during individual and group work times, so that I can help them then. Would that work for you? And once again, you don't keep going with this indefinitely, right? You're only going to give two or three suggestions. And um, at that point, you simply end with, um, you know, I really wish you success. Let me know how it works out. Uh, so you're, you're showing you care. You're showing you're interested. You're available to talk. But you're giving the, the problem back to them. And students at first might struggle with this a little bit, obviously, right? Um, but they're building an important life skill and you're helping them to do that. A uh, couple things here. What do you do if you can't think of any options? Okay, so you, you go through and you say, would you like to hear what other students have done? They say, sure. And you think, all of a sudden your mind goes blank. I I don't know. I don't know what other students have done. It's okay to say, hmm, I actually can't think of anything right now. I'll have to get back to you tomorrow. That's okay. Because once again, you put the problem back in their court. That was the whole goal of this. And then if they if they come back to you tomorrow and you could say, hey, you know, ask me about that again tomorrow. And if they come back to you again tomorrow, you can have a few ideas ready. Once again, remember, it's not our goal to come up with this perfect solution. It's their goal. Uh, it's their job to do so. And our goal is just to demonstrate that brainstorming process. Uh, let, let's give one more example just so you can see again how this works. So let's say a student comes up, you know, so-and-so called me a name and... 
maybe depending on the situation, you might need to deal with it. But if it's not, you know, you know what I'm talking about. There's a difference between situations you need to deal with and situations where students just want to involve you, where you don't really need to be involved. They really need to solve this themselves. So you have to use discernment knowing which of those situations this is. But if it's a situation where you really don't need to be involved, the student needs to step up and deal with it themselves, um, you can go through the process, right? I'm sorry. Oh, that must be very frustrating. Uh, what are you going to do about it? I don't know. Well, do you want to hear what other students have done? Okay. Well, I know some students get really upset and let it ruin their whole day. Uh, sometimes they e- they even end up getting in a big fight about it. Uh, do you think, how do you think that would work for you? <laughs> and uh, they're probably going to say, I, I, I don't know. I don't think that's the best idea, right? So another idea, a couple of suggestions you could give. Well, I've had some students that just like to totally, when someone calls them a name, they like to totally throw them off by saying something nonchalant like, oh, you're such a kind soul and walking away. And it just totally throws them off and everyone forgets what was even said. Uh, some other people uh, like to, it's helpful for some students to just stop. And remember that people often say mean things because they're struggling with things themselves. And while it's wrong for them to say something mean, uh, they they are just kind of have compassion for them and, and realize that's an issue. Uh, other people choose to go and, and confront them kindly. So anyhow, you're just going through a few ideas with them. And then once again, so, so there's some ideas. I uh, wish you some success and let me know what you decide to do. And, um, and, and then the conversation ends there. A couple pointers as you're thinking about this. One is if you're busy, don't feel like you have to have this whole conversation at one time. So for example, if a student's coming up to you when class is about to start, you can like get through the first step or two and then say, oh, class is about to start. Uh, come back and ask me again later. The goal, remember, is to quickly give the problem back to them and get them thinking. So you can do that in just a couple seconds. If you don't get to finish this whole conversation at once, that's totally fine. It can even be better in some cases. Remember, our goal is to quickly hand the problem back to them and get them thinking harder about the problem than we are. When we do this, we are truly giving them a gift. We are helping them face the world uh, and be prepared for that. And when they inevitably face challenges, they're going to be better prepared to deal with them because that's the reality, right? Students are going to face challenges. And the more we shield them from problems, the more we solve problems for them, the less prepared they are going to be when inevitably they are eventually on their own and they need to solve a problem by themselves. If they've developed, if they've practiced this skill, if they've worked on it uh, throughout the years, then they'll be fine. Uh, But if they haven't, if they've never exercised this muscle, as it were, if they've never developed this skill, then they're going to really struggle um, when they reach uh, their older teen or adulthood years, whenever it happens, whenever they finally get to that place where they have to make their own decisions and solve their own problems, then they're going to struggle. And we do not want that for them. So this is a powerful gift. It seems counterintuitive at first, but it's a powerful gift we can give when we guide students to solve their own problems. And it's also a wonderful thing to see in your classroom, to see students taking responsibility for what's happening in their own lives. It really does. Uh, it, it, it's it's more difficult at first than just, you know, you know, here's what you should do and moving on. But it creates this wonderful classroom culture and helps students be more responsible, not just in the long term, term but in the short term as well.
I hope you found these ideas helpful. And if you did, I'd encourage you to check out our full Beyond Classroom Management course. It's available at teachfortheheart.com slash beyond. And as I said, the goal of the course is to help you create a culture where students are respectful, they're responsible, and they're engaged. A place where you and your students are working together uh, to accomplish great things instead of feeling like you're at odds and it's this constant struggle to try to get your students to take responsibility, to work hard, to focus, you know, to, to have respect. And so I can't wait to see, uh, what, to see you inside the course, to see what you think. Once again, all the details are at teachfortheheart.com slash beyond. Thank you guys so much for being here. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep striving. You really are making a difference.